Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to the Talking Giants Player Profile Previews. We got two guys on the line today, O-line, D-line. A little mixing it up, guys that go at it, guys that don't get the credit that they deserve, although one of these guys got um, about $65 million worth of credit. Today we got Nate Solder and RJ McIntosh. So probably like the cheapest guy on our team and the most expensive guy on our team. Outside the quarterback position, but first of all, Danny, how you doing? How's your headspace going? We're doing good. Headspace is good. Uh, just been enjoying finally seeing these guys out there getting the, having the pads hitting up against each other. So you know, it's just been fun finally seeing them back out there. Yeah, definitely. So we'll we'll start with Nate Solder, obviously. Now we gave him that four-year, sixty-five million dollar contract last season, going into last season. And we've talked about this before. Did we overpay for him? Yes. But when our offensive line was as bad as it was and and was last year, you have to overpay for that left tackle position. Yeah, the left tackle position has always been an issue on this team. So when we had the opportunity to go out and get someone like Nate Soldier, you just had to jump on that opportunity. Yeah, so, uh, you know, he, he made that, you know, the – to uh, $15 million last year. This year he makes $13 million, uh, 2020, 13, and then 2021, $14 million. Um, there would be no point of cutting him, you know, this year or next year. But say if things go bad in 2021, which he would be 33 going into that season, we would save $10 million off that. And, you know, the only, it'd be $4 million worth of dead cap. So while he did have a huge contract in the long term, um, it wouldn't be an issue. And the next year with all the cap space, there'd be no point of cutting him unless he was just horrible or had a bad injury. But that leads me to the point he had his ankle cleaned up. Um, so he didn't participate in any of the OTAs or anything like that, although he was out there and, and moving around, just not participating in any drills. Um, that being said, that that's scary. I know maybe I'm overreacting to that, but he's so important to this team. Offensively, I think he's the most unreplaceable guy on this team. Uh, you know, at quarterback, you have Daniel Jones. At running back, yes, Saquon's amazing, but running backs, uh, there's you, there's guys that can fill that hole. They're not going to be as, as great as Saquon, not even close, but you can bring serviceable guys in. If we have Nate Solder missing games, I'm not going to have any confidence in the offense because there's really not a lot of depth there. Um, I guess you could throw Wheeler over there, but for someone who was pretty bad at right tackle, um, hitting him at left tackle would probably be not be great. And obviously maybe they move Mike Rimmers over, but pretty much what I'm saying is if he, if we miss, if he misses games, we're in a lot of trouble. No, I'm not that concerned about 
uh, his minor surgery at this offseason. Players get stuff like that happen all the time. It, it obviously may, it lingered in the offseason, but that's because why risk putting him in during mini camp and OTAs? Th- those things, they're really not, they're important, but like you don't want to risk someone who had a surgery like that, a minor surgery. You don't want to do something stupid to have him have something even worse happen. So, yeah, he'll, he'll be, he should be good to go by training camp. Maybe he won't practice the first day. We don't know what the Giants' plan are of him. How, how will they ease him in? Will they just throw him right into the fire? So, but no, yeah, Nate Soldier is a very important player to this team, especially with what we got behind him. We don't got much behind him at left tackle. Obviously, Chad Wheeler, because let's say we're going to say Mike Remmers wins the starter right tackle job. Chad Wheeler, the, if Nate Soldier gets injured, he can go over there or take over for Nate Soldier, but that's not someone you want playing. The the left tackle side and protecting Eli because we saw that in 2017 while Nate Solder he he's fine for what he is you he's not a he is not an everyday starting left tackle so I agree with you on that part he is a very important player to this offense yeah so let's talk about his play on the field he struggled to start the season off last year um I I marked that up to this and he still did this towards the end of the season but he got a lot better about it you know Eli stepped up into the pocket a little more he was used to playing with Tom Brady, and with Tom Brady, that ball's out quick. Tom Brady's not taking seven-step drops on most plays. It's you know, it's a three-step drop, maybe a five-step, and then go, ball's out. So he would get into his kick really quickly, which is nice. But the problem with that is you never want to be looking like head, have like an eighty-degree angle or like a, or looking head-on with a defensive end. When you're doing your kick slide, you want to be at a 45-degree angle. That way you're protecting your inside, but you're also not having your shoulders turned where that guy can just go and run full speed. And Solder, he would kick back, and then about three yards into his kick, he was turning his shoulders, which protects the inside like crazy, which is great. You want to protect the inside first. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's left tackle 101. But when Eli Manning wasn't stepping up or we had you know, a deeper drop, uh, you know, deeper, like five, seven, five, five drop, five step or seven step drop. It was giving defensive ends like a clear run to Eli. So if Eli wasn't getting the ball out quick, it was a problem because they were getting to him. Um, and then and I get like the offense was meant to get the ball out quick. But if, you, if the best left tackles in the game, they prepare for the ball for the quarterback to have the ball five seconds every time. Unless it's like a quick hitch, like it's a it's a planned the ball has to come out or the play is garbage. Um, so that's what I want to see out of Nate Solder. And he did get a lot better at the game uh, as the season went along. Don't open your hips so quickly. Really, like, stay vertical in his in his his kick slide and keep that defensive end at a 45-degree angle. He's got the the size to do it. He's at six foot eight, 320 pounds. So he's got those long arms to do that where – is you know if he keeps that forty-five degree angle where guys aren't going to be able to get their hands on him and, and rip him, so basically, like in the pass game, that's what I want to see Nate Solder do on seven-step drops. Be one of the best left tackles in the game instead of relying on the ball to get out quick. No, yeah, definitely switched it from Tom Brady to Eli Manning. Definitely had an effect on how he played, but I also feel like it also had to do with the development of Will Hernandez because Will Hernandez, obviously, he got better as the year went on, and it felt like Nate Solder got better as he got better. They finally had the chemistry to work well with each other. So I feel like that, and along with Will Hernandez's development, really affected also how Nate Solder played. But I agree with you that, yeah, the early part of the season was very much a struggle for him. 
I in the Atlanta Falcons game, especially in that first few opening drives, he really struggled to handle the pass rush of the Atlanta Fal- uh, Atlanta Falcons. Tyrus McKinley, he really had the pass rush on, and Soldier just couldn't stop him. So, yeah, yeah, he he struggled. There's you can't. No one could say he did not struggle to open up the season, but everyone I believe in like he did improve as the season went on. Now he wasn't all pro caliber left tackle, but he was such an improvement from when we had a left tackle and he was such an improvement at each at basically after I say the Atlanta Falcons game, that's when I really was like, all right, I'm a big fan of Nate soldier right now. Yeah. And that, you know, that criticism I had where it's like, you got to get better at that. That is so much easier said than done. And I get, he's getting paid $65 million. So get it done. But I hate, I hate, I really hate doing this on the show, but being like the, when I played, um, I remember I went to, um, I, you know, I went on my visit to the university of Furman um, and we did drills there and they had like the quarterback back set up 10 yards back. And I just couldn't like, there was no stopping this def- these defensive ends because they had a guy that, uh, you know, a dummy that they were running at with that was 10 yards back. And, you know, you don't have a guard there and those one-on-ones and stuff like that. So I'm not talking about myself. Anyways, it's a hard, it's, re- it's a really hard adjustment to make going from always protecting the inside to being like, listen, man, you can't let guys just get around you. Like that works on on three step drops, but it's not going to work every down, and that's really how Nate Solder uh, approached every down in the beginning of the season. And he did get better. And the more QB steps up in the pocket, the more you can do what Nate Solder did. So hopefully Eli or Jones or whoever's in there with him, you know, he's going to see both those guys in his career. Um, they they you know stepping up in the pocket is part of being a really good quarterback. So with Nate Solder and Will Hernandez on that left side, it'll be a lot easier. Now, at the same time, like, the right side was bad last year. It really was, especially right tackle. Mike Remmers was horrible. Or, or sorry, uh, Eric Flowers was horrible. Chad Wheeler was not as bad as Eric Flowers, but he was certainly not good. So it's hard for a quarterback to step up when the, the guys that are writing your vision are getting blown up. It's hard to step up. So, you know, if both sides are doing their job, you know, if if, our, we ha- if Mike Remmers is able to come in and, and do the same thing that if, – if Mike Remmers and Nate Solder are doing exactly – the same thing where they're doing that quick drop, then it's okay because then uh, the quarterback could step up in the pocket. But when the right side was getting collapsed, it, it was a problem. No, the right side of the offensive line was atrocious last year. Patrick, oh my awful pickup over. We're talking about Nate Solder some, was overpaid. Some people, Patrick Omahe was overpaid a stupid amount of money. Now it's just the Giants hoping, like, reaching for something to replace right guard. Because who was our right guard the year before? Do I want to say Justin Pugh? No, I think he played at left guard. I have no um, idea who our right guard was because I know he bounced around in 2017. I have no idea who our right guard was in 2017. It might have been Greco. No, it might have been Jalapio. Now that I think about it, because he Jalapio did play games at right guard towards the end of the season. So we're gonna say like Hal- six or seven. Yeah, but as, as you said, like we want to critique Nate Soldier, but not many of us, like me especially, probably a bunch of the other listeners, don't know what it takes to play left tackle in the NFL, especially with someone like Eli Manning, who is a very He's a not a different quarterback. He's just got a different like play style to him sometimes. So playing left tackle, is, especially for even when you're playing for right-handed quarterback, such a hard position because they can't see what's coming. You're like their line of the fence on their blind side. So I respect what Nate Soldier does every day of the week. I know you do too, as being a former offensive lineman yourself. But as I said, with the right side struggling last year, it didn't help the left side at all because Eli could step up into the pocket because basically at some points. You had, like, especially that Dallas game, the right side could not stop 
any like Taco Charlton, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, and the fullback wasn't helping them out either. So it's just a lot of things went wrong for the offensive line to start the season. And then basically once they got Jamon Brown in, put Spencer Pulley in at center, that's when the offensive line really solidified itself to be one of the better offensive lines we've seen in the, for the past few years for the Giants. Definitely. All right, so I want to hit the run game real quick. He's not a bad run blocker. A lot of times they were, they ran to the right a lot, um, and Nate Solder – in the NFL, guys are so fast on the defensive end, and you can get beat on the inside so quickly in running blocks that when you're the backside tackle on a run play, a lot of times it's called a hinge block, where if you take one st- – like, you know, you got a defensive end and you're, you just want to contain him, and this allows for cutbacks. You essentially take one step to the right and then turn your hips open, and you pretty much just want to keep like make a wall between you and the rest of the play. Um, and that's, you know, you're meant to hold him for one, two, and then by then that running back should be gone anyways. Um, so that's what he was mainly in the run game. Now he does, I, I feel like he needs more of a mean streak in the run game. Now at 31 years old, I don't know how much that can change, but I would, I would like to see more of a mean streak him, uh, out of him. And to go backwards a little bit, how you said, you know, we were talking about the right side. That's why offensive line is such a, like, a team game. That's why having all five of the guys together throughout a whole season is huge. And that's why you see offensive lines improve a whole lot, especially when they are able to all stay healthy. I mean, it really is a, five guys relying on each other. The left tackle relies on the right tackle, who's, you know, set up seven yards away from him. So it really is a team game. But in the run game, get to get back on track. I want to see more of a re- of a mean streak out of him, um, and I, I hope to see that. But with a guy like Saquon, um, you know, you don't have to be amazing, especially when you're the backside tackle on a run play. Something I want to hit on, like the most impressive game to me last season for Nate Soldier was against the Chicago Bears, especially going up against Cleo Mack. Now, I know there's that one play where Cleo Mack basically manhandled Nate Soldier, just threw him to the ground. But other than that, Nate Soldier was pretty solid against Cleo Mack. Cleo Mack only had one sack in that game, but that didn't even come against Nate Soldier. That came against when they moved Cleo over to the right side against Chad Wheeler, and that's what Chicago did. I'm not sure how Chicago really utilized Cleo Mack because I wasn't watching them, but they really, like, after Nate Soldier was kind of, like, holding him, they're like, all right, let's just move him over to the right side. Hopefully we get something going there. They got some success, but Chad Wheeler also did a good job guarding Cleo Mack. So that was my most impressive game when watching – Nate Solder, because obviously when you're there at the game, you, you don't really get a good look at offensive line. You just see basically are they blocking him? Is he like and sack? That's all you see at a live game. And then get an NFL game pass and really just sitting down and looking at that game in particular. That game really just really impressed me with Nate Solder, how he's able to stop uh, Nate, uh, Cleo Mack, who had 12 and a half sacks last season, just a force for the Chicago Bears. So that was my standout game for Nate Solder. Yeah, he. I mean, he got a lot better as the season went along. I mean, I think it's just between him and Will Hernandez for most improved as the season goes along. Um, now, the guy you've just paid $65 million, you don't want him to be up for the most improved player award. You want him for the guy who dominated week one to week 17. That being said, there's no reason to think it's not going to be a lot. Uh, it's not going to continue in an upward trend this year and another year in this system. I, I have really high hopes for Nate Solder. Um, the only thing that worries me is that ankle, even though we really shouldn't be worried about it, it's kind of just a routine ankle cleanup. I mean, that's the only worry I have, and I guess that's a good thing to say when uh, he started off so poorly last year. No, yeah, if that's really the only concern you have, then that's a good concern. As I said, I'm not, I'm not concerned about it, but I, I do see why you can't be concerned about it. But 
As you said, yeah, he was our most approved player, and he also was, him and Will Hernandez were the only Giants to play every snap last season or play every offensive line snap. It was one of the two that I just said. But, yeah, as you said, you don't want him to be the most approved player, but you'd rather have him improve than stay what he was pr- pretty much beginning of the season, just stagnant and not as impressive as he was in New England. So I'll take most improved. I, I, everyone, as I'm saying this, would. I'm not saying people wouldn't. But, obviously, if he's most improved, then I'm fine with that because then he improved as the season went on. And hopefully he'll be able to build on that. And that's why Will Hernandez being in his second year this year – will benefit not only, obviously, Will, but Nate Solder. Now that he has the confidence, he could pass a block off over to Will Hernandez if need be, or you could just even trust Will Hernandez to make blocks that probably will not be able to make at the beginning of the season. Definitely. All right, anything on Solder before we move on? That is all. I'd say all right. we should go on to Macintosh. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to Macintosh, the Max. We're not a Microsoft podcast. We're Max. All right, take, let's take a quick break. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast, play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, these player profile previews are brought to you by our presenting company, media company, John Boy Media. Check our website out, johnboymedia.com. We have all kinds of podcasts. We have the number one pod, Yankees podcast in the world. It hit number two in all of sports. It was part of my take, Talking Yanks. And then our talking baseball, where the same guys, John Boy and Jake, do a baseball podcast that hit number four. So check all that stuff out. We have a Knicks podcast, we have all a history podcast, all kinds of stuff. So make sure you check it out. It's all at johnboymedia.com or you follow it on Twitter, Instagram at johnboymedia. And then now, the next player. Some of these guys got to get their head out of their ass around here. All right, let's move on to a guy that's kind of forgotten in all of this. R.J. McIntosh. He was a fifth-round pick last year out of the University of Miami. So you know I'm going to be biased for him because I I like the Hurricanes. But like I said, fifth-round pick last year, 6'4", 283. He just turned 23 in June, so he's young. He came out early after his junior season. And I liked him a lot coming out of Miami, and we'll talk about his, his time in Miami. But he had that illness. It was kind of undisclosed. A little, like, a little. You know, I don't. I don't know what the deal was with it. You know, we we looked up and we weren't able to find much on it. But he only got to play six games, and in those six games, he got sixty-five snaps. But I think about. I think that this guy would, if we didn't draft Dexter Lawrence, I think he would be a lot bigger. Like a, a guy that people would be talking about a lot more. It's just we're kind of crowded at that defensive tackle slash, you know, three, four defensive end spot right now. But I I really like McIntosh, and obviously we'll go into it. But, I mean, that's just like at the outset where I am with him. No, yeah, I agree with you 100%. McIntosh, he was drafted in the fifth round, so obviously the Giants did have hope for him. And he was a force in Miami. In his three, I, I, in his whole three years in Miami, he had 103 total tackles, 23 for a loss. Five and a half sacks, nine passes defended, and one forced fumble and one fumble recovery. So he was definitely a force on that Miami line. But as you said, like curiosity has the best. I mean, like what what did hold him back basically the whole season, majority of the season last year? Obviously, he doesn't want to talk about. So obviously, we'll respect his wishes in that aspect. But well, how about we just make some wild guesses, just some <laughs> real hot takes to what his injury is, Danny. Like his his leg got amputated, put back on. He's actually stronger and faster. Now. He's bionic now. He <laughs> could be a bionic man, but uh, what was he I got g- his heart. He had a, a, a heart transplant. 
and they pit Lawrence Taylor's heart in him and cleaned out all the stuff that may or may <laughs> not have been in Lawrence Taylor's system when he played. No, but oh, excuse me, sorry there, but I feel like uh, you see to me, I view this season coming up as R.J. McIntosh's rookie season because I, I don't feel like it's fair to count last season's rookie season. Yes, he did play. But he didn't play the amount of games he would have liked to. He only had five tackles last year. So just like with Sam Beal, I'm considering this kind of his rookie year. Even though it's counting as his second year, I'm viewing it as his rookie year just because like it's his first time going to be out there on the field. I view this as RJ's first year because it's going to be his real first year, hopefully playing all 16 games. And in OTAs and minicamp, he was rotated in with the first-team defense as the defensive end. So... He, th- James Betcher, I feel like he's going to be a big fan of him, and the Giants will have high hopes for him. Yeah, it, it, it really is like a rookie year for him and Sam Beal. Um, yeah, so I, let's talk about his time at Miami because he only, you know, we're going to talk about his games, especially Chicago and Washington, but he, he only had 65 snaps last year. But let's talk about his time in Miami. He only really played, he didn't play his freshman year, but he was, a, you know, he didn't redshirt. So he had a true sophomore and true junior year where he started, you know, all 13 games. Uh, and those in those seasons, 47 tackles and then 52 tackles. And what really jumps off the page is sophomore year, nine and a half tackles for a loss. Junior year, 12 and a half tackles for a loss. And one of those was uh, three game, uh, three tackles for a loss against Virginia. So he, he averaged a tackle for a loss per game. And like you look at at like most guys stats, even like some of the best, like they don't really get that, at least for interior guys. Um, and something that was interesting, his junior year, he had seven pass deflections, which I want to talk about his hands up come, going up. That was uh, one play that that jumped out to me against Chicago, actually more of negative. And then, like you said, two and a half sacks in both those years. But like go if, if you have like an extra 10 minutes, just go watch uh, uh, R.J. McIntosh versus Notre Dame against Quentin, Quentin Nielsen. I mean, there was one play where he just pits Quentin Nielsen on skates. I mean, he. He like he dominated Notre Dame. He was a huge part for Miami, like dismantling that Notre Dame offense. And and you know we saw what Notre Dame was last year and the year before that. That was a big game that Miami versus Notre Dame game. Like that was game of the week. That was really important. And the whole Miami team was amped up for it. And he was he was a huge part of that. But like he was a beast at Miami, which was kind of surprising how he dropped to the fifth round. Uh, I thought he would have ended up being like a third round guy. Now that could have been my Miami bias. But it was surprising that he dropped to the fifth round. And he was somebody I had I was really excited for last year, and I was kind of bummed out that we we didn't get to see more of him. Sorry. Yeah, I'm like you. I didn't know much about RJ McIntosh. Obviously, I, I don't watch know much about Miami football in the first place. But once I, I you look at his tape, you see this guy was a force at Miami. And it just sucks that he had to go through whatever he had to go through last year because he missed out. He could have impressed so many people. As you said, that, Bear game, that Bears game was a very good game. He had two tackles. Well, two tackles. It doesn't stand out to anyone, but still two tackles. But it was only on like yeah. 15 or 16 snaps yeah. as and well, was, you know. And it was his second game since coming off um, the IR. So, no, yeah. It, it, yeah, that game I, I remember looking at him going up against Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson didn't even look like a first-rounder in that game. RJ just made him look silly. Obviously, Quentin Nelson is one of the best offensive guards in the game today, so... I'm intrigued to see how well a full training camp will help him when he, we finally kick off the season because 
He's he's gonna be playing meaningful snaps week one, no matter what, because they have high hopes for him, and he needs to be a key part for this defensive line. Because as I've said multiple times, we don't have the prettiest defensive line, but he can really help improve it. All right, yeah, I, I want to talk about where we project him on the team, but first, I did go and watch uh, every snap he had against Chicago and Washington, and here's some of like the bullet points I had. He plays really good uh, assignment football, and that's hard for a fifth round pick who didn't get to play in the first nine the first nine games of the season to really play his assignment and not be just like trying to be the hero in every play because like everyone knows like NFL stands for not for long, but he played really well assignment football. Um, whenever there was a guy pulling or whatever, he stays right on a, like a pulling guard's hip, like he doesn't overplay. Um, and get trapped or, or, or run or sprint himself out of a play. Um, he has a really good spin move or not. Sorry, not a spin move, uh, a swim move, which is, you know, the you grab, you know, you grab with your opposite hand and then, you know, reach over and, and push off the, the back of the offensive lineman. That being said, he needs his feet to work better with it. Um, you know, if it didn't work on the initial pop, a lot of times he was stalemated. Um, and that, like, you know, that's something that the best guys in the game are working on is having like a plan if the first thing doesn't happen well. Um, so I don't worry about that too much against Chicago. He had this really great swim move. Um, he, it ended up being like that 35 yard pass on the sideline to Tariq Cohen, but he got there to hit, uh, chase Daniel on that play. I mean, it was just, you know, set hut, uh, snap, snap, swim. And then he was at chase Daniel, but chase Daniel ended up getting the ball out of his hands. Um, one thing that kind of bothered me with the pass deflections, there was a play where Chase Daniel was rolling out and he was coming like he was he was chasing him. And with about like a half a second to a second before Chase Daniel threw the ball, he just puts his hands up like for a tip. But there was nobody there, like unless he was going to throw completely on the opposite side. I would have liked him to finish through that. But nonetheless, like I, I like what I saw out of him. Like I said, he only got 65 snaps last year. And the majority were in the Chicago game where he had, I think, like 16 to 20. Um, he had a, a few against Washington. And that that was the thing against Washington. Now, he got a lot of his snaps when they put Josh Johnson in. And we were up 40 to zero. And I think part of that like was, okay, we got this guy who's fast. He can't really throw. You know, don't, don't let him beat you with his legs. And it seemed like they were just kind of playing contain on the defensive line, or at least with him. Uh, but it seemed like his motor wasn't super high, but they might have also – you know, instructed him, like, don't be trying to go after the QB because, like, believe it or not, defensive tackles are told at times to get one yard, you know, to push back on your guy, but don't, like, try and make some kind of move. Um, so he does that really well. But where do you see him coming, like, being on this team? Because obviously the front three are Dalvin, uh, Dexter Lawrence, and B.J. Hill. What, like, now we have some guys behind them. Uh, I guess you, Kareem Martin, like in that nickel, kind of plays that defensive line position. Uh, they drafted Chris, Chris Slayton, who I don't like a lot. John Jenkins. Um, am, I, am I missing anybody like on that defensive tackle spot? I want to say, is it Olsen Pierre? I think that's the other one. Right, and he and he plays more of a defensive end position. So yeah, you're right. Um, I, I don't hope we're not missing anybody else, but I can see him being. Now, those three guys are going to rotate a lot in themselves because they only play two of them in nickel. Although you can pit like all three of those guys on nickel. You can pit B.J. Hill, the defensive end. We've seen that. Uh, we talked about that in his uh, player profile preview. But R.J., like I could see him, you know, rotate, like being the first guy uh, after those three rotating. Oh, yeah, I can 100% see that. Because especially in tr- 
But in training camp, as I mentioned earlier, he was rotated in with the first uh, on defensive end. So maybe they want to use him more towards the defensive end because they have two quality defensive tackles in Dalvin Tomlinson and Dexter Lawrence. Dalvin this year may have the opportunity to go back to a more natural role of nose, nose tackle. And Dexter Lawrence, you're just going to be a beast on that defensive line. So I'm intrigued to see how they use him. But I, if they're using him as defensive end, I feel like that could be a fun position to watch him in because the guy, he's a big guy, and I feel like he's also quite, he's fast, in my opinion, from what, what I've seen. So I would be intrigued to see him in the defensive end role because I feel like defensive tackle, while, as I said, it's not the prettiest, I feel like we got two studs there with Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson. So I say use him, try him out as a defensive end, and obviously if that doesn't work, then I guess you could move him back to defensive tackle as a natural position. But really, I mean, that position is kind of set. So he, I think defensive end needs to be his home. Yeah, and the 3-4, he can play the defensive end. He can play on the tackle. They moved him. Like, he played on, on the center guard and tackle, mostly on the guard, but he did play uh, on the tackle in the center at times. Uh, so, you know, in the 3-4, I could see him, you know, playing the five technique on the offensive tackle. But, yeah, the – I like him. The, the only problem, like we just said, is that it's it's hard to get him on the field unless you're doing like true rotations um, out of those four. Because, you know, when we have the three four, you got B.J. Hill, Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson. And I, it's hard to find uh, time for him to get on the field, although he will like he's not going to get, you know, 50 snaps a game. But uh, I, I definitely would like to see him as like the first guy in that rotation. And, and that's why we put him in these PPPs. Oh yeah, we we he needs to. I want him as well to be the first guy in on the rotation. I want him to be the sub to BJ Hill because I feel like they can complement each other well. BJ is a very good defensive player, but just like everyone, he needs to break. And I feel like uh, RJ McIntosh can be that guy to come in and cause havoc for the quarterback. And as you said, he did make life easy for Chase Daniels on some play in that Chicago game. So. If he's able to be a force on that defensive line, if he's able to regain the junior year, he had not sure how much this illness and or injury hampered him. We don't know if it took away anything from him. It doesn't seem like it has. Through well, he got camp. a new heart and a new leg. Yes, a new, yes, he did get a new heart and a new leg. Obviously, it affected him in that aspect. But as long as he's not this robotic leg and heart isn't affected his, like, his <laughs> versatility, versatility and all that, I would be 100% down to have him as defensive end because I, I think I'm repeating myself here again. He he did not make Chase Daniels' life easy in that Chicago game, and he also didn't make Mark Sanchez's life very fun either. He had two tackles there as well. So the, the possibilities are endless for R.J. McIntosh this season. All right, so I said before this, Danny, let's try and get, like stick to like eight minutes on R.J. McIntosh. I don't want to do a whole lot on R.J. McIntosh. He only did 65 snaps. We're now just past 13 minutes. So anyways, it's been real, folks. We appreciate you guys listening. The numbers have been doing really well on these initial. I mean, we've only done two so far, but like we almost broke our before noon record on the BJ Hill and John Jalapio. And I was worried about putting that one out seconds. Like, who wants to hear about John Jalapio? But that was that was pretty cool. So we really appreciate you guys listening. Um, we've had a, a few more reviews, some really good ones. So I really appreciate um, all the support we've been getting. Um, this is going to be a fun offseason, a fun camp. And let's go Big Blue.
The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.